Welcome to the P4C Podcast. We are excited to reshare with you the last 12 years of teaching through God's Word at Passion for Christ Summit. Each P4C year is full of rich truths for your life, and we know you will be blessed. Our new series will be from P4C 2018, Life to God Be the Glory. We now join Daniel Cavanaugh, Charles Cavanaugh, and Dave Terrell for the first message in our panel discussion. We hope you are encouraged and challenged. So I'm a little bit concerned because the kitchen staff is sitting in here on this. I have a feeling that one of the questions in here was one that they put in the basket, so that's why they're sitting back there. (laughs) Uh, But no, it's... So we'll get this started here, um, and gentlemen, basically what I'm going to do, we kind of, and I'll let you guys know, we, we went through these before, and so we know, <laughs> have a little bit of warning before we jump into these, but um, I'll kind of start with just some of the, the basic ones here that I think would be good for us to um, just to go through. Actually, I think before we start, let's just ask the Lord to bless our time um, as we look at these through his word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we can look at questions. Um, There have been many honest questions here, and and these are good. These are good questions about life and what it means to know you, to experience you, to walk with you in a way that is pleasing and glorifying to you. And I pray that as we give answers, they are not ours, but the word of God that we hold in our hand. Lord, I pray that that would be um, what we give tonight, and we just ask your blessing upon this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, First question here that was written, uh, really, it's interesting. I've heard this question on several panel discussions, actually, so it kind of gets around quite a bit, and and that is, what is the greatest enemy uh, to the Christian church today? So when you look at the church as we stand right now, what is the greatest enemy that we face or we are facing right now uh, as we battle this Christian, in this Christian faith? Don't everybody speak at once. <laughs> Go ahead, Dave. So I don't like doing these things, <laughs> just for the record. I'd rather sit at a table over a cup of coffee with you guys and work this out. Um, that question's hard. And it's hard because our enemy hasn't changed. So the reason I think it's hard is because I'm not sure I'm clear. If, if you're asking what the greatest enemy is, it's, it's sin, it's our flesh, it's, this, it's the devil. That hasn't changed. In fact, even the way he works hasn't changed. Um, philosophies and thinking that need to be brought back into captivity uh, to the obedience of Christ. If you're asking about what are some of the greatest threats to the Christian church with respect to philosophies and thinking, um, the ones that are constant are legalism. That's always a threat and a lack of understanding of what the gospel really means. Uh, grace does not give me license to sin. It sets me free to be and to do what I should be doing in the first place. Okay, that's really important. But that, that, that doing things in the first place has to be biblical. It has to be what's clear in Scripture. Um, it's not Dave's man-made five points for loving Jesus. And if you break them, you're, I'm going to separate from you. Um, so that's always a danger. And it comes in a lot of different forms. Um, uh, religion 
as opposed to pursuing God. And then there's also, uh, as far as philosophies, there's a really, really, um, there's a really dark philosophy going on there right now. It's called um, a new perspective on Paul. And it's, it, the problem is that there are some really good guys that are connected with this, and it's wrong. Um, basically, new perspective on Paul dances around how we're justified, how we're set in right relationship with God. And the new perspective on Paul wants to focus on a bad view of how people in the Old Testament came to faith. Uh, and basically says, if you're part of the group, you're good. So if I'm just attached to the church, then I get saved. And so it borders on universalism. Um, it, it denies the reality of the individual responsibility before God. And it mocks the sacrifice of Christ for the individual sin and my, my need to repent of it. So that's, that's where I would go without more clarification. That's as far as I... No, I think the one thing you said was the, one, the first thing that came to my mind when it comes to the church is the gospel itself. If we're not clear on what the gospel is and what it means. <laughs> um, if we're not clear on what the gospel is, what it means, then nothing else matters. If we don't have the gospel right, and we, we did a thing on that a few years ago, and you can go back and listen to some of those messages, and I think one of the messages was getting the gospel right. We did some podcasts. We've done some pod, podcasts on that too. Uh, if you want to spend some time there, and there's books, of course, Books like The Gospel According to Jesus by John MacArthur that are helpful there. But if we don't have the gospel right, then nothing else matters because the church is just uh, on a, a floating vessel to whatever. Or it's, and I think it's more like one of those, you know, when you go to the uh, fair and you go to those bumper car things and they bump into each other and you don't really have much control and yet you feel like you're really doing something when you bump somebody hard. And that, to me, that's what the church is doing without the tether, being tethered to the biblical gospel. And some of the things I will talk about tomorrow and tomorrow's message. And then these other things become issues that, that look attractive but are deadly to the church. And so, and then, then theologically, I would say Christology and our view of Scripture. Um, R.C. Sproul was asked before he died what he thought the greatest challenge to the church was theologically. He said, Christology, what we believe about Jesus. And that's really almost always been true, what we believe about Christ and Scripture. If our, if our view of Scripture is kind of murky and we don't believe it's settled and what it says is what God says and not what we feel or think, then that opens us up to a lot of things. And our Christology needs to be biblical and not <clears throat> kind of a touchy-feely Jesus loves everybody and, you know, wouldn't do anything to make anybody mad. And, you know, this sort of murky view of Jesus, too. So in relation to the, the church, and obviously we're talking about in general the greatest enemy of the church today. So we, we establish that as the gospel. If we put it more personal, so each person here, the believer, is that then they turn and say, okay, that's my greatest enemy, is making sure that the gospel is clear. Um, when, when we turn it personal, is it the same uh, or is it different? Um, because the question here is, what is the greatest enemy to the Christian today? So is it really one and the same or is there a little bit of a difference between the two? 
I think if we know the gospel, we know Christ. Okay, so we're, we're assuming that with this question. We're a Christian. I know Jesus. I'm following him. I love him. I want to follow him. I think my greatest enemy is myself. Pride. Because um, it, to, to me, uh, pride is the one sin that encompasses all the others. For me to think more highly of myself than I ought to think. For me to think that I know something that I haven't been taught or given. And that I know anything like what I ought to know if I really knew what I ought to know. As Paul says, no man knows anything yet like he ought to know. I think if we look at scripture again and again, it comes up pride. Pride uh, felled Saul. Pride came and dealt with Solomon. And with his son, Rehoboam, pride got Jesus. Pride, pride, pride. And, and, and pride got Satan. Uh, you know, I will ascend. I will, I will do what I want. So I, that's person. I think that's the greatest personal danger. Um, it's, it's interesting it really never changes. You know, the, the word says there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, and there really isn't. I mean, man's been struggling with pride for a very long time uh, since the garden, you know, since, when yeah. they thought they knew better than God himself. So I don't think that's really changed. It just maybe manifests itself in some different ways, right. you know, but at the core, it's the same type of thing. So before we move on from kind of this whole discussion of what is the greatest enemy, it, with all of that said, um, if there was one thing you could say to a young believer, what is that one thing you would leave them with? Like, you pull away from here, you're heading away from passion for Christ. What's one thing that you want to leave with them? <laughs> uh, well, listen, what served me well, um, not that I've produced it, uh, and it t- it's on the coattails of what uh, Charles just said. Um, our vision and understanding of Jesus affects everything. And uh, if he doesn't command our soul, if he isn't the passion of our heart, then whatever sins might tempt me are always going to be um, competing with him. Uh, he's, he's, the, he's the hero. He's, he's the Superman. He's the one that gets it right, and there is no kryptonite with him. Okay, uh, so make Jesus your lifelong pursuit. Uh, whatever that looks like. I mean, if you have a specific gift, it's, let's say it's art. Um, how can you use your art? I like to use the word leverage. How can you leverage your art to teach your mind and heart to pursue Jesus? Uh, when we sing songs, and we're singing songs about like loving Christ passionately and He's everything to me. Just be real about it. A lot of times I'm thinking, I'm singing this to remind myself of what I need to be, not what I am right now while I'm singing. Okay. Um, so, so it's just a reminder. Is, you know, try to align everything again with who Christ is and, and see where, where um, make a good assessment as to where Christ is in your soul. And I think that what complements what he said, and I think Dave would say that if he felt very much longer, I like to put words in people's mouth, <coughs> is... The only Christ we know is found in Scripture. There is no other Christ. Any other Christ, any other concept of Christ, of what it means to know him and who he is, 
is a false Christ. So it's so. That means that each of us, our, our center point is always scripture. We're always coming back to what God says in his word. God's spoken. God speaks. He's done it in his word. Feelings, impressions, ideas, men who think they know stuff get and they preach or teach with some kind of sense of authority, always have that rock to look to. Yeah, it's interesting you guys bring out the, the issue of Scripture because there's been so many times um, where I've done maybe short-term missions trips or had to spend some time counseling someone through an issue, and they're saying, hey, I'm struggling in this area. I'm not really sure what to do. And my first question is, well, you know, what's your, what's your time in the Word like? And they'll often, most always say, well, not really much at all. And I'm like, well, you need to get in there. You know, I mean, I can tell you a lot of different things. Yeah, Yeah, I can tell you a lot of things, but until you get into the word, it's not going to make sense to you until God begins to reveal himself to you. Yeah, so I like like pictures. Um, And there's been a few times I like to work out just because it's just something to do. I get to do with my family. Uh, there's been a few times where I've almost like passed out and flopped on the floor like a fish, <laughs> which is would be really embarrassing at the gym. And the reason is I haven't eaten well. Uh, I have to prepare in order to go to the gym, uh, and then I can sustain the level of work that my that I'm going to put my body through. So I, that goes to failure in the Christian life. I mean, the reason I don't have success often is because I'm not I'm not t- I'm, I'm eating candy bars and 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 crackers when I need to be eating steak. And, you know, complex carbs in order to sustain that kind of work. Uh, and that actually also speaks to why we don't engage the culture like we need to. Because we know we don't have the muscle for it. And uh, so then it's on us, right? We get put out because the culture is going sideways and sketchy on us. And we're like, I don't know what to do with this. And, and we just maybe need more, better politicians to help us out, blah, blah, blah. And we go the wrong direction. So what am I doing in my Christian life to actually feed myself and to work hard. What what happens on Sunday, what should happen on Sunday with every Christian is completely celebratory. Like you're already full. The only thing you're coming to on Sunday is just kind of a buffet of like food, right? It's like, I've been eating well all week and this is just like, it's Sunday. Of course I'm going to eat big. Uh, So the problem is most people come on Sunday because they've been fasting all week. And it's like, I I just got to, I got to fill a tank because I got to go. That's your time in the word. And then it doesn't mean anything because you just, you know. So kind of transitioning, this, is, this question, this next question that was um, put here is a little bit more personal, um, which I think is good. It gives opportunity to be open and, and kind of where the Lord has brought you along in your journey. Uh, when did you, meaning each one of you, struggle the most with your prayer life? With what? With your prayer life. Or do you still struggle? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. How do you answer that? No, no it's a con- yeah. I mean, just, you well, said yes. Yeah. I will say that I have grown in my prayer life. Uh, that should be so of a 64-year-old Christian man who's been a Christian for 40 or 45 years. I should be able to say I've grown in my prayer life. Well, you heard last night, though, when I articulate certain things, are still true. I'm still seeking to grow to make sure that my prayer life is real and not just a recitation of stuff. That's my, when I said that, that was my personal testimony, my personal desire. When I was a young Christian and a young single, my biggest struggle was just disciplining my life enough to to have times of prayer. So I, you know, I had a scattered prayer life and I, uh, I, I struggled getting up. 
uh, and I struggled getting up early enough before everything else, and so I'd pray before I went to bed, I'd read my Bible before I went to bed, and that was fine, it was just that it got tacked on. And so what has happened is through a series of pro- I prayed for years, God, help me to be disciplined enough to get up, spend time with you, years, and it seemed like I wasn't really growing in that. And then through a series of providences, one of which was just not being a pastor anymore, and then some things that came as a result of that, then I got up. Lord got me up. Lord, I didn't, I mean, I say that, I don't mean that in some sort of misguided circumstances or such that I started getting up. And so, not because I, I, I love the mornings, I'm not a morning person, so um, that's all part of the discipline aspect. The other th- thing is, though, I think is um, I've always struggled. I still struggle with prayer. I want prayer to be real. I want it to be genuine. And so I think it's a wrestling match throughout our lives. Yeah, and that's encouraging. You know, I've, I'm at, I've been at West for 10 years, and uh, I, I, I hope I can serve as well as you served your churches. But here's a guy who's been who's been walking with the Lord's a good example, and that's encouraging for me. It's like, okay, great. I don't I don't feel I mean I don't not feel bad from the standpoint of I'm not going to actually work harder at my prayer life, but it's an encouragement to know that here's a man who's been walking with the Lord, and it's like this is this is reality. I've got to work on it, and it's true. I'm the same way. Now I will tell you, for me, listen. If I got to get up at four in the morning and there's nobody waiting on me, my wife's really warm and I'm really tired and I'm just going to keep sleeping. <laughs> right? It's like I just kind of cuddle in there and I'm done for the next four hours or, you know, that's not going to happen. I get up pretty early. But so what I've had to learn how to do is, is do things in my life that give me a chance to succeed. If, someone ha- if someone's waiting on me and I set up an appointment really early, it wakes me up. Like the thought of somebody actually waiting on me and me impugning on their, like I'm assuming upon their time when I'm late. So my 6.30 appointments to go meet somebody, I mean, I'm like, I, I don't know which way is up when I'm meeting them and I hope it's some way helpful. But guess what happens when the appointment's done? Now I have the opportunity to work on my spiritual disciplines. And so it's, I'm, it's, I'm trying to build in crutches into my life to help me succeed. Uh, and prayer is just one of those things. Uh, the other thing with this is, is, is guilt. Satan can use this very quickly. Okay, like God has us here right now to work, to work hard. And when Paul tells us to pray without ceasing, that doesn't mean we all just kind of check out of our daily lives. It's a constant communication flow with God. I mean, how many of us with the relationships that are really close to us, like literally can sit down and talk for five hours and then have dinner and come back and do another five hours? And just have that as a sense of communion, right? Like, maybe some of you can talk that long. I don't know. Uh, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Look, look heaven's going to be like that. Heaven's the big party that never finishes, where we get to celebrate God. But right now, we're, we're, like, we're, we're walking with him. And so, you know, I call my wife. Hey, how are you doing? How's your day going? Um, anything I need to do? Blah, blah, blah. She calls me or she texts me. That's communication. Now, there are times when we actually set apart time so we can spend time with each other. And I think that's, for me, those pictures help me. It's like, I want to keep working on this um, so that I can grow. I want to keep working on my prayer life. I got to have time, crutches built in so that I make myself succeed. And by the same token, I'm not going to feel guilty uh, because I am communing with God. You know, don't let the guilt keep you from enjoying the things that you are doing. But don't stop working. Don't quit. Yeah, I would say don't quit. Keep at it. Thank you for joining us this week. 
If you have questions about P4C, visit our website at p4csummit.org, or you can email us at info at p4csummit.org. We hope you can join us next week on the P4C podcast as we listen to part two of this message. May God bless you as you seek to passionately live for His glory each and every day.